Hi, everybody. Hello. This is Sarah Westcott. This is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Read. The podcast where we talk about books. Yes, we and do. And the cocktails that go with them. Yes, my favorite part. <laughs> and what is today's episode? Uh, guys, we have a special treat for you today because this is our All Things Harry Potter episode. Yay! Yes. Um, so just right at the top, I'm going to throw out, like, I know we haven't done a spoiler warning in a long time, but, like, for anybody who hasn't read Harry Potter or seen the movies or anything like that. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. Number one. And second, don't listen unless you are okay with being spoiled because we are all reaction all the time. We're having a, a full on discussion about everything that happens in these books. Um, we, nothing is off limits here, basically, Katie. And we're going to tell you that people die. Yes. We're going to tell you who dies. We're going to tell you the saddest death. We're going to tell you who survives and uh, everything in between. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to uh, caveat this episode with the fact that um i like harry potter a lot Mm -hmm. however sarah (laughs) may be slightly obsessed maybe Um, yeah she might totally love it she might have a harry potter tattoo i do um i do really like it but (laughs) my caveat is that sarah's gonna probably have more things to say about harry potter we'll see because you took a lot more notes and you printed off a lot more things than i did but like as as producer chris told us um He's like, what did he say? He's like, you don't really need to know what you're going to say. You have plenty you have to say. Plenty to say. Yeah. <laughs> so it's our opinion um, podcast. Yeah. So yeah. here's our opinions. And yes, thoughts. exactly, exactly. That's basically what this is. And if you don't like Harry Potter, you're probably not going to like this episode. But anyway, I mean, unless you just like mine and Katie's banter, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And especially when we're drunk. So right, we're yeah. not yet, but we're probably pretty close. We're going to be on our way shortly um so quick before we jump into this uh how been katie do you have anything to talk to about on the top of the episode so or? i do have two things to say first okay. and foremost this is the first episode that i am going to be able to say i read books that were not our podcast books and i am so <laughs> proud of myself that i read books that were not our podcast books between our recordings you did i did i want to know what they are um, so i read judges list by john grisham which oh, was the John newest Christian one. Okay, I did. Okay. My dad gave it to me. It's been sitting there and staring at me. And I finally was just like, nope, I have time. I'm going to yeah. do it. And yeah. I flew through it. It's good. I liked it. It was um, thrillery. Okay. That's as far as I'm going to say about well, it. Well, yeah. Well, John Grisham is always they pretty are. thrillery. Yeah. Yep. I liked it. Um, and then the other one, after I finished that, I needed like a quick, so I could still prepare for Harry Potter discussion um, without needing to be too bogged down with a book. So I read uh, Wedding Night by Sophie Kinsella. <sighs> love that book that one it's not at all what i thought it was there was a lot of sexual frustration going on in that book which is a little bit you know annoying but it was a fast read oh i love it and it's over and done with and i read two books go me yay in between all of the homework that we have to do and uh um i did finish a book as well during between our last podcast um and it's called we were never here by andrea bartz have you ever read anything by her nope um I know I'm pretty sure that I read something previously by her and it was very good. It was, you know, our usual thriller book yep. and the premise is basically these two um longtime friends, they travel once a year together and something goes down on a trip that they take. And Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very good book. I'm not going to say any more because it'll start like getting into whatever, but What I, did you rate it? I think I rated it a 4. Okay. I was this close to a five to a five okay this close to a five because i was on my edge on the edge of my seat the entire time i don't really know why i decided to go with a four i think it was mostly because 
I have a hard time rating thriller books as fives. I don't know why. It's just one of those things. Because they're standard. Yes. In the theory. Like, the the overall concept is standard. There's nothing that ever throws you like a holy shit. Yes. Right. And when somebody, whenever somebody tells me, like, a thriller book is is an airplane novel or an airport novel, I get kind of really, like, offended by that. Yep. And then I'm almost very much like, um... I don't want to rate this book a five because I'm afraid somebody will be like, well, why did she rate this a five? Oh my God, this is an airport yeah. novel. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of thing. So I really did like it. I, it kept me, you know, awake and thinking and whatever. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I highly recommend it to anybody who likes this kind of novel. Okay. And I immediately afterwards put the rest of her books on my, on my and list. And your to be read? So, exactly. On nice. my pile. So, yeah. And you did also read the seven and a half deaths of I finished it. Yes, deaths. Seven and a half deaths of Of Evelyn Evelyn Hardcastle. Hardcastle. And what did you think? I really enjoyed that. Super weird. Super time bendy and mind bendy. I loved the concept of that one. And I, when you told me you were reading it, and I was like, that sounds familiar. And then I went back and looked, and I'm pretty sure I only gave it a three, because I think I really, I, I wanted it to be better than it actually was. Like I thought it was, it was so close to being amazing, and then it was just kind of like, meh. I think, um. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. When it ended, it ended very abruptly, and I was not super on board with that. Okay. So again, I think I rated this a a four because of that kind of thing. This could easily have been a five for me if it had stuck the landing that I wanted it to stick. Yes. Like, there is a... It, we should talk about this book at some point on a discussion. We really should because, like, they're like the whole premise of it is super, super cool. Like, yes. I love the way going that back this, and experiencing yes, it over and over and over exactly. again. Exactly, and, and yep. like different days, he's a different person, and like finding out who Anna is to him and that kind of thing. Like, really neat premise. I just wish that they had stuck that landing just a little bit more. But yep. um, that being said, it was it was a fun read, so I enjoyed it. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the preamble. Let's we didn't just... even say prologue. Oops. Hey, that was a prologue. Um, well, isn't the prologue are usually where we do our synopsis? <laughs> this is our prologue now. Yo, we're jumping onto the prologue. Bye. Um, the, the prologue. Before we jump into the synopsis of any book, Katie, uh, do we have a cocktail to drink with our Harry Potter? We do, and I'm really freaking thirsty. So let's go ahead and discuss yes. that before we even do our synopsis. Absolutely. So we made it. an alcoholic butterbeer. <gasps> yes. It is vanilla vodka, butter sh- butterscotch schnapps. It's hard to say. Yes. <laughs> or, right, whatever. Um, Some dark beer. It's supposed to be Guinness. We use Murphy's, and then we have a whole bunch of cream soda in there and topped with whipped cream and a little topper of cream soda on top of the whipped cream on top of the cream soda so cheers cheers let's let's try this tastes like cream soda (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm thinking about afterwards is i didn't really stir it so like yeah but the the pour was supposed to gotcha 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 okay so it definitely tastes like cream soda um I, I've never had butterbeer. You said that you've tasted it. Yeah, so we had it in Universal. Um, we were just there in October, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, my kids loved it. Eric, literally, I think he had his tongue in the glass, like, licking the, the edge of the inside of the glass. I mean, the I can, cream is the best part of I it, I can honestly. appreciate his enjoyment of it. I literally had one sip, and I was like, nope, not for me. Still not yeah. for me. And I, I had had it. It's know. too... Um... I've been to Universal. I've been to the Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter three times. I'm about to go for my fourth uh, next month. I'm super freaking excited. Um, when are you going? 
we leave on, well, I guess it's April technically. We leave on March 31st, but we're, we're going to Georgia first. I'm running a race in Georgia and then we drive down to Orlando. So it'll be in April when I, when we actually go to Universal, but I'm really looking forward to it. I have yet to taste butterbeer because I like, I like sweet things, but too sweet Not gives me a stomach ache and drinks especially. Yeah. Like if I'm drinking too much of something like that, I'm going to feel sick pretty quickly. So get one and share it with your family. Okay. Pass, pass the glass around. I could do that. The I mug that. that it comes in, we have, we've gotten now two of the, the mugs. I really like the mugs and I had all intentions of bringing the mugs yeah. so we could have this oh, in that it, smart. but, um, fail. Yeah. So this is fine. We're, yeah. we're doing it in our to be red glasses. We are. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Um, so I guess, so what we're basically going to do is we're going to jump into a synopsis of each book. Afterwards, I will, I guess I'll just say what your, what, what the date of publishing was. And, um, just because I think that's an in- interesting information that people like, and especially because these are so old now at this point, you know what I they mean? Are. Like, it just seems yes. so weird that we're so far removed from the first book coming out. So I guess I'll start, Katie, and I'll start with the first book, which is Sorcerer's Stone. A mistreated young orphan boy learns he's not who his adopted family told him he is, and he enters a world of magic where he learns he is the Chosen One, who seemingly defeated the darkest wizard in all of history as a one-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, this is the piece of paper that I cannot find and I have lost. Oh, so here I'm going to so pass let's on share to, it. So in that case, I'm just going to say, well, I'm just going to say the that. Year too. Yeah. So this came out uh, in America. I'm going to caveat that this is all of the U.S. publishing dates. It came out at least a few months earlier in the U.K. for um, for everybody else. So is the first one the only one that had a different title? Um. Yes. Yes, it is. Because it's Philosopher's Stone. It was Stone. the Philosopher's Stone in the, in the UK, yes. So Sorcerer's Stone was published on January 9th, 1998, again, in the United States. Awesome. Okay, <laughs> so our synopsis for number two, which, by the way, uh, Sarah wrote these synopsis, and they are not official in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. They are not the back of the book, and they are... No, they're just small, light, easy. Yes. <laughs> so the Chamber of Secrets... The heir of Slytherin opens the long dormant chamber of secrets and Harry and friends have to figure out how to close it and save the school. And that came out in America in February, February 6th, 1999. Okay. So that was pretty quick after like, this is what we're going to notice. Like these are the first four of these come out in very bing, quick bing, succession. Bing, bing. Yeah. Like at least like about a year in between. I bet you um, she had them all written. Probably, probably. And then and afterwards kind of like. Once the first one got taken up, then she kind of went yes. back and hard edited the next one. Well, then at, at some point she was she was also probably working on writing the screenplays of the movies as well. You know right. what I mean? So she had to take time in between theirs. Um, okay. Book three, Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry's godfather, who was arrested and imprisoned for allegedly helping Vol- Voldemort murder Harry's parents, escapes prison and is seemingly attempting to get to Harry so he can kill him. And that came out on August 9th, 1999 as well. So, I mean, that's yeah. only she didn't six write, months. She didn't, between, she didn't write those. She didn't write a book yes. in two months. Yeah. So those she had are. That yeah. All right. So number four. Which is Katie's favorite. Goblet of Fire. <laughs> it's my favorite. It also has the least words in the synopsis, which is three magical schools compete in the Triwizard Tournament and shit gets dark. And that came out July 8th, 2000. And Which is I'm almost sorry. a year, right? Less than a year? Yeah, that's no. It's yeah. It's just just under a year. Um, and Goblet of Fire is one of the longer ones. So yeah, there's no way she wrote that in a in that span of time. Order the she might have written the synopsis in that 
period of time. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I wrote the synopsis in like five minutes. Like all, all of, the, of them. All of these synopsis <laughs> in five minutes. Next, we have Order of the Phoenix, which is my favorite of the group and also the longest of the books. Um, Harry is a little pissy <laughs> that Dumbledore is keeping him at arm's length and that no one believes him about Voldemort's return. So he and his friends take matters into their own hands. And that came out on June 21st, 2003. So Katie, that's a three-year time jump right there. So that, I think, is when she was really heavy into the screenplay side yes, of things. Yes, probably. Probably, because yeah. Because now the books had taken off the film adapt- adaptations had yes. been picked up and she needed to actually like be involved in with all of that. Right. And I know like, I mean, that's still a couple years after at least the first movie came out. The first movie came out in like 2001, I think. So yeah, she's probably working pretty heavily on both of these things. Yeah. The screenplays and the, I just... Watch out for the random ladder in yeah, your closet. Yeah, there's a ladder in my closet. All right. You're next. Uh, number six, half bro... <laughs> <laughs> Half-Blood Prince. Harry gets stuck with a used textbook previously owned by someone calling themselves the quote-unquote Half-Blood Prince, who turns out to be a potion savant. Meanwhile, Dumbledore and Harry are collecting and traveling through memories to better understand how to defeat the Dark Lord. Bum, bum, bum. And that came out July 16th, 2005. So that was another, that was a two-year gap. That was a two-year jump. Yes. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, The Deathly Hallows. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione decide to skip their final year at Hogwarts in order to complete the mission Dumbledore and Harry started before the beloved Dumbledore was murdered by Snape. That came out in July on July 21st, 2007. And small thing right here, that was the only book that I went to for a midnight release because I came into the books at about 2006. And that was the only one that I was released when I was actually a fan of the books. Okay. So, yeah. so in that in that thought i um i know i had previously said that at some point when these books were being released and i'm gonna say it was like i think book five i was working at the bookstore and like massive kids came in to buy this book when it was released over the summer um so i was in a bookstore for six and seven and my absolute favorite thing is that if there is a midnight release of a book the bookstores got that shit before the midnight time. So mm-hmm. I had one of the, at least one of the last two, if not both of the last two, I had started reading before it was quote unquote officially out. Wow. And I felt so fucking special. You have no idea that I was reading this book yeah. that hadn't been released yet, but I couldn't tell anybody other than, you know, like, I vaguely remember you mentioning it to me now that you say uh-huh. this and like, and me I probably told you pretty pissed <laughs> off. Like, Oh my God, this bitch is going to know. And I remember, okay, so I, I told you I went to I went to the um, midnight release for the Deathly Hallows, and um, most people I know who go to like the midnight release open that book right away. I was in the middle of another book, and I was very much like, I don't know what to do. Do I finish this book that I'm that I'm already <laughs> do I stop reading? It? Yes, I can. I wish that I could remember what book I was reading. I know if I dug far ba- far enough back in my mind, I could probably come up with it off the top of my head right now. I can't think about it, but I do remember when I did start it. We were on our way to the Renaissance Fair in Sterling, New York. And so I don't think I had any idea you ever went to a Renaissance Fair. Oh yeah, fair. yeah, my parents used to love doing that. So <laughs> me and John actually took a ride out with them. So I'm in the back of the car, my you know, my parents are yeah. driving, me and John are in the back of the car and I'm I'm reading The Deathly Hallows. And I can just remember being so excited and so upset when we got out of the car and I had to put it down, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yes. I mean, this no, was I I fully appreciate yes, that. Yes. I mean, this was just such a so I, I know this phenomenon started long before I got involved in it, 
And I'll tell you how I got involved in it momentarily. I know you had mentioned how you got involved in it with the bookstore and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is such a phenomenon that at first I was very like, I'm not interested in it. It's very much like Schitt's Creek to me. Whenever somebody (sighs) mentions, Sarah, you need to watch Schitt's Creek. Sarah, you need to watch Schitt's Creek. Well, now too many people have mentioned it that I have to watch it and I'm like actively not watching it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'm not watching that because so many people have just said I I had to. (laughs) I was the same way with these books. I wanted nothing to do with wizards. I wanted nothing Mm -hmm. to do with magic. Same thing. So you said Schitt's Creek. I was that way with Game of Thrones. I was like, fuck dragons fuck swords like i want nothing to do with that <laughs> yeah. that is not where i live this right. is my world over here yeah and then finally i got sucked into that yeah thanks george yeah that's the thing like the this kind of thing in my opinion fantasy series especially i was never very big into fantasy series but as soon as i read the first book and i'm going to tell you where i got the first book right now Katie's sister-in-law, one of my closest friends, Jess Willie. Shout out to Jess. Hi, Hi, Jess. She, I remember just being, saying something to her about, you know, just not having something to read. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for something to read, whatever. And Jess had mentioned Harry Potter. And I was like, no, I don't think so. You know, I, it's not something that I'm interested in. And I, I think she just wore me down and finally was like, here, I have it. Read it. And I fucking. Wait. Jess had read it. Jess had read it. Yes. How many books in the grand scheme of just books yes. <laughs> can we apply that to? Yeah. Probably Harry Potter. Yes, exactly. And Jess, Jessamine Gilroy? Just, uh, yeah, Jess, Jasmine, Jasmine. Jasmine Gilroy. I think it isn't. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Jasmine Something Gilroy. Like yes. Yeah. And Sophie Kinsella. She's read some. She's read a, a number of Sophie Kinsella But not books. before you. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. you're Okay. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So... Yeah, she introduced me to this book. She one day said that you got to try these. Here it is. She gave it to me. And the first one, especially, I breezed through that within the weekend. You know, it was very much like, okay, holy shit. Why was I holding out so much on this? You know? So then every time I finished one, I asked I asked for the next one. I was like, do you have this one? Do you have this one? Do you, Who has this one that I can borrow? I remember I borrowed Prisoner of Azkaban from one of my housemates, Goblet of Fire. I can't exactly remember who I got that from, but I do remember that I read all of them before, up through Goblet of Fire, before Thanksgiving break my senior year of college, because Goblet of Fire was in the theater. So... I read them all, so me and John, when we got when I got home for a break, would go and you see and Goblet of Fire in in the theater. Which, um, and then I read all the rest of them, and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Like just being obsessed with them. <laughs> we watched. We went and saw. What movie did we go and see when we were both pregnant? Was it the second Deathly Hallows? I'm pretty sure we yeah, saw that been. together, right? I don't remember when the movies came out. Yeah, I that's a memory that I don't keep in my brain. It's not yeah, and it's not as obviously those aren't as important to me as the, the books, books themselves. Yeah. Um I do know that I can't remember exactly when I did this, but I went to I want to say 3 of the midnight showings for the last like the last, the last three, three movies I definitely went to the midnight showings for those those movies but yeah I I don't remember what year Deathly Hallows came out in the theater but you're probably right we were both pregnant with you were pregnant with or it was Adam. a Twilight movie that could be too or because or we Hunger Games movie or Hunger Games we're... either way I don't think I went and saw a midnight showing of Harry Potter especially pregnant Probably not. So, yeah, that's probably what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Another one. Are we ready but, uh, to go into the story? I think so. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. All right. <laughs> the story. Here's what's going to happen on this episode. Just quickly, like, 
Katie and I are just going to have an open discussion about these books. There's there's no real way to break these down without having like seven different episodes, basically. In in my opinion, I think we just right, need and to we have... don't want to we don't want to separate them that much because they no. are so interconnected. Correct. It is one giant story yes. that just is spanning seven books yes thousands of pages a book and yeah. yes and we did talk about doing you know episode one through three and and talking about those and then pausing and going and getting our second cocktail which i am so excited for yes uh we'll discuss that when it happens yes um, we still need to and then doing this, <laughs> i'm getting there i'm i'm farther than you uh i'm working on it and then talking about books four through seven um but it, it, it's probably not going to actually flow that way it's going to be more of a Right. Let's talk about the books. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so before we start anything, I kind of want to bring up a little bit of a, a, a controversial situation here. Um, right now, you and I have always revered J.K. Rowling. Um, she is someone who was always very important to me at, about, with writing these books, writing the the Corman Strikes book, Strike books, um, which we both adore. There's been some controversy with J.K. Rowling recently. And for people who don't know, and Katie, I don't know if you're, you're like up on up on the controversy at all. I mean, I know there's controversy. I hate the news. So I, I am just going to, I just want to put it out there because I know that there are people who um, are upset with J.K. Rowling. I am one of those people who are really disillusioned by, by what is going on. And I just want to explain it for people. And I want to put out there that our feelings about the books have nothing to do, in my opinion, with J.K. Rowling. So, um, back in 2020, J.K. Rowling had tweeted about, I believe it was an article, I can't remember what it, what it came out, some magazine had written a story about people who menstruate, menstruate. And J.K. Rowling took issue with that by saying, oh, people who menstruate, you mean those used to be called something, isn't it? Uh, basically trying to get around the fact that, you know, they're women. And the trans community has taken issue with that. And me, personally, as a, an ally, I consider myself an ally to, you know, the LGBTQ community. And... Um, so do I. Yes, we, we both, both do. Both you and I. We both do. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that by saying that, she is automatically discounting the the people who were not born in the body that they felt that they should be born in. To be able to menstruate. Correct. Or, or the they're people... Side note, they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and it, it discounts the, the trans men who were born with female parts who are men. Agreed. So yep. that is the controversy surrounding um, J.K. Rowling. She has continually just doubled down on this and doubled down, doubled down, doubled down. And um, even though she claims to be an ally of trans uh, of trans people and tra for trans rights, this kind she's of language... She's not doing such a good job She's not with doing that. a good job with it. The language that she uses is really hurtful to the trans community. And it's a bummer to me. Like, I, I've been... And I have to ask you this, Katie, like, because there are so many, there are so many um, uh, examples of this out there, like, of taking an ar the artist of something and the work that they have done and put out there. And Harry Potter is, in my opinion, your opinion, a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. Are there some issues within it? Absolutely. With any piece of art, there are going to be issues in a piece of art. But can you separate 
the person who create a problematic person who created something and still take away the morals that you that derived that person themselves or have. or you specifically took from the that piece of art you know what i, I mean i think i think you have to be able to because yes the creation came from that person unless the creation of the art whether it's a series of novels or a mural or a statue or any aspect of art like that unless it in and of itself has that negativity that the person is artist is now can doning i guess or representing unless that is actually represented in the work of art you can appreciate the work of art on its own so you can absolutely love harry potter even though you kind of don't really like jk rowling anymore yeah it's it's been really difficult for me like especially you know i'm such a i'm such a twitter person i'm constantly on twitter every time i see somebody saying something about J.K. Rowling, I just get this pit in my stomach. And I'm just like, I have, you know, I have a Harry Potter tattoo. Like you said, like my, I don't want to say my world revolves around Harry Potter, but a lot of who I am. Who was your favorite fictional character crush? My favorite fictional, yeah, it's Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) You had a, think about about what you said for a second. I'm like, yeah, it's Harry Potter. Like, if I could marry any fictional person, it's Harry Potter. So, Harry Potter, in and of himself, is not making comments about the trans community. Right. He is not, the series is not negative. She didn't bring that that into her art in particular. Like, I mean, so hearing people or reading people you know, going at J.K. Rowling and getting a pit in your stomach, you as somebody who adores Harry Potter does not have to stand up and defend J.K. Rowling. Right. You can still not like J.K. Rowling, but still really like Harry Potter. Yes. I'm not saying you should go out and buy the $1,000 gold edition to throw money at her right, and put exactly, it in her pocket. Exactly. Yeah. But you can still appreciate in and of itself. I think I think you're right. That's where I've landed on the whole thing myself is, you know, a, as a person who understands the, um, you know, the overall moral of the entire story. It, it's kind of funny to me because that whole story just flies in the face of what J.K. Rowling says, you know, right. out loud. Right. So it's it is one of those things for me that I'm I'm. I'm still very much a Harry Potter fan. I'll never get over that, absolutely. But at the same time, J.K. Rowling is a little bit, eh. She used to be, as we said before, she used to be my person where I would be yeah. like, I want to meet J.K. Rowling. I want to sit down and have a conversation with her. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I see enough of her right. on Twitter. I'm good. I'm right. good. <laughs> it, I mean, in the in the in this whole same conversation, it's not a statue that represents somebody that owned slaves that were glorifying. Right. It is a book series of dark versus evil, which actually in the grand scheme of things does have a lot of current situation. Absolutely. Themes going on in it that, you know, good versus right or good. Yeah. Good versus right. Bad versus (laughs) good. (laughs) Good versus bad. Right versus wrong. There we go. Um, So it's, I I don't know. I get, I get why you're, why you would have uncertainty with it, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it, I, I don't want to get too crazy about this because we do want to talk about like the books. The actual but, Harry like, Potter series. Is, I mean, this is it's a, a t- interesting huge, conversation yeah. too. But like, I think, um, I think part of it to me is just is almost like 
and this is going to sound so bad, but like, I don't want people to judge me for the fact that I'm still very much in love with this series. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's because there are those people out there who are like, okay, I'm, I'm shutting this down. This is enough. Like I'm not, take for instance, like R. Kelly's music. We all know who R. Kelly is, what he's done, what he's, you know, whatever. I won't listen to his music anymore. Like I'm certain, you know, whatever. Like if I, if he comes on the radio, I usually turn it, you know, but at the same time, if a Chris Brown song comes on the radio, it's like, I still listen to that. And it's tough for me because such an amazing artist can be such a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, you're not, by listening to him, you are sort of supporting him, but at the same time, you're not financing him by listening to his music when it comes on the radio. Right. It, it, it is a good piece of music. Yeah. Whether you like the person that did it or not. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. I don't like watching Ben Roethlisberger play football because I think he's a piece he of shit. He is a piece of shit. But he's a good fucking quarterback. Yeah. Like, <sighs> ish, ish. It, yeah. He's not as good as he could be or yeah. was or, or whatever. Was, yeah. But that whole same concept, like, yes, your actions suck. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to support the person that makes the actions to support the team as a whole or yeah. that, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or the art or, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really tough thing that, like, I think people are still learning how to navigate in this very progressive, like, time period that we're living in. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. we all are learning as we go. It's tough. And I just wanted to put that out there for people immediately on top of this episode to. The other side of this is that. We are living in an age where everything is out there all the time. You say something, you can delete that tweet half a second after you put it out there. It already is out there. People have already seen it. It's already there. People have screenshotted it already. It's it's already there. It's already permanent. You cannot undo that, which is entirely different than the vast majority of history. So we don't know that some of the people that have written the great works of art and history and literature and Kurt Vonnegut, for instance, (laughs) we don't know that they didn't also have these same thoughts that they just didn't have a platform to broadcast them on in order to pull it back immediately or try to recant or to, you know, that whole same the digital, the digital yeah. age where yeah. we are, where like literally exactly. everything is right there. Like, you know, something happens and someone pulls out their And a hundred million people know about it immediately, immediately, too. So, all right. So there's our controversial topic for the day. Like, it was just something I wanted to bring up because I thought it was important and it's over. Now, I Let's talk wanna, Harry! I want to talk Harry <laughs> and how much uh, we love him. So, I don't... How do we, how do we want to start this, Katie? Like, what do you want to... I don't know. Do you want me... So, I because I... I'm psychotic, and I printed a whole bunch of things. Um, and I am the quote person, so I have person. I have two quotes from each book. And I figure since we had briefly contemplated breaking it up by book, yep. I would just start with my absolute first quote from the first book: "Is you're a wizard, Harry mm, from Hagrid, Hagrid," which is yeah, I thought very pivotal. It is synopsis of it the is. first book in one quote. Absolutely is because. You have this boy, and we said it in the in the synopsis. He's a, a mistreated kid, living with his um, his mother's sister and her husband, and her awful son, <laughs> who you know, along the way, turns out to be not so bad. He's just he. It's just somebody that you can immediately relate to, Harry. You immediately have sympathy. for Immediately him. have sympathy for him. You immediately are are like. What the I, fuck is this situation? Well, yeah, and and almost everybody has been in situations where they're like, well, this kind of sucks. I mean, Harry obviously is a lot worse off than a lot of people, but 
in the beginning, of course. But, like, everybody is just like, well, we all love an underdog story. So immediately we see this kid. He lives under the under the, the stairs, in the closet under the stairs. Spiders are hanging out. I fucking hate that part. <laughs> I can't see I that. love it. You know I do. I know you too. They have names weirdo. in my mind. Ew. Anyway. <laughs> um... And, and you're automatically just drawn into this, this story with, about this kid who is, is down because he lives with these pieces of shit, you know, to see like the progression immediately from like, um, going to, you know, I'm drunk. So just the progression of like learning who Harry is and 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 what this poor kid is going through to then a scene going to the zoo and finding out there's something special about this boy. He's talking to a snake. And, you know, in in your mind as you're reading it, you're like, well, he's a kid. Maybe he's, he's imagining, imagining it. This, it's, you yep, know? Yep. But then the glass disappears and the snake comes out and it's like, okay, something fucking crazy is happening. And and that's when the owls start coming with the Hogwarts with the letter. letters. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, when you pick up the first book, you know that it's not your standard children's book. Right. It's not you. You know you can't pick up this book and not have some kind of inclination that there's magic involved. Of course. So of course. when that glass drops away for the first time, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Like okay, this is the way it's going to go. And it's going to be, this is the kind of magic that you're going to get. It's not all potions and spells and dropping things like that. And and, and it's just that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also a boy who's like, he's, you know, I mean, it's a very good like metaphor for puberty in itself, you know, like his, he's he's, 11. He's 11. So yeah, he's hitting like that age where things are changing. And like, this is a very good metaphor. Like as you're growing into that age where shit, like, your body is going to do certain things. <laughs> this is what happens. Like it's manifesting. In You're going to let that snake out every now. Exactly. And then. <laughs> exactly. Perfect example, Katie. But yeah, it's like uh, your your magic is manifesting as you're growing into into puberty. And of course, I, they do mention that magical things have happened, and obviously, Vernon and 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 uh, Petunia know that he's a magical being because of, because they know they know yeah. they know he was born by lily and james potter who were magical people mm-hmm. yeah so the beginning of this story is a little like you know mundane because you're like um oh you know they grew up on on uh privet drive and blah 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 and and these two pieces of shit who were assholes you know yep. <laughs> he's never had a great birthday never had a great birthday nobody cares about his birthday which is july 31st by the way which is the same as J.K. Rowling. And my sister. <laughs> I, like, ever since I've been reading Harry Potter, I'm like, you freaking bitch. Like, you have the same Harry, the same birthday as Harry well, Potter. Well, we went to a trivia at the brewery at one point in time, and that was one of the questions. And I think that she didn't remember the answer, even though I'm sure you've told her multiple times. I've told times. her multiple times yeah. that her birthday is the same as Harry Potter. Yeah. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. So, like, you're absolutely right. When, when Hagrid comes in and tells Harry who he is... It's almost like he's known forever that he's somebody special and different, but he's had it validated. You know what I mean? Yep. He's had it validated by someone, and that someone can whisk him away from this and is shitty going life. To, and is going and to whisk him away from this shitty no life. No matter what they say, he's going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he is, as Hagrid says, basically 
somebody the mo- one of the, the most famous wizards mm-hmm. in all of history mm-hmm. and he's 11 and didn't know he was a and wizard didn't even know no. yep what's the second quote from from the book so, uh the second one from this book is the truth it is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution and albus dumbledore said that when did he say that that does not say that on my paper <laughs> In the first book. I'm surprised. Like, I was honestly waiting for you to, to, to pick the when he was do, uh, standing in front of the mirror, mirror of the Arisid. In college, which is the reason I read this book, is I took an uh, adolescent lit, and I, I think I mentioned this already in the previous episode. I, I took an adolescent lit English class, yeah. and this was one of the things that we read, and I... I know I did a whole presentation on the mirror of Erised, and I was enamored with this mirror that you could look into and it was going to show you whatever your, your heart desired. desired. Yeah. And then the fact that it was desire spelled backwards, mm-hmm. I was like, that's fucking genius. Mm-hmm. It's so genius because it's a word. It's Erised. Mm-hmm. And then reading this with Adam, it was like... I, I got I was like, do you know why it's called that? Do you know why it's called that? Do you know why that's why the name is? And he he didn't get it right away. And then I when I pointed out that it was backwards, he was like, oh, and I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> it is very funny, like the little things that were were kind of put into the whole series of books that you finally are like, it's, oh, that's why that's called the that. Details, like, yes, the details, the little yeah. little details. Yeah. So like the story as a whole is fantastic, but the, those little things really add up. And yeah. I don't know. That was there was actually no quote about the mirror of Erised in the <laughs> random website that I found. So. I mean, there's always the one. The one Dumbledore says is, um, "It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget how to live." That's number three. I did not circle that one. Yes, I which is the truth. That because I felt like it's more pivotal for where is. we're at right now. Yes, absolutely. But um, the one, the one, I, I've always loved that quote from Dumbledore. The um, "It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget how to live." Because how fucking right is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Everybody has these thoughts and feelings about where their life should be. And not where it actually is. And not where it actually is. Yep. You never... Put your fucking phone down and live in the moment. Never living in the moment. Never living in the moment. There's always something else that you're hoping to happen or wanting to happen. And it's just such a frigging smart thing to say. And obviously Dumbledore is obviously the smartest most powerful wizard that's ever lived when does he say that quote that's when he he says it during the first book and when he when <laughs> Harry, when he catches harry in front of the mirror okay um and and that's because harry is spending so much time in front of the mirror looking at his parents that because he can't actually that he can't to. actually get to yeah. because harry's heart's desire is to be with his family who is dead and i mean Probably when I read that the first time, I mean, just thinking about it makes me choke up a little bit because it's such a, what a, this poor kid who never knew his parents. I mean, they died when he was one, but still he can have these feelings deep down about them. It's like yeah. a innate in your person. Yeah. Like maybe I don't know them, but I know them. You know what I mean? It's just something that just gets me. Anyway, we can't dwell too much on, on one, on one book. book. We got to yeah, keep going. We got to keep going. I know. Um, so things... Things get a little hairier in in the second book. The first book is very much kind of light. Like, here's magic. Yeah, troll comes into the castle and whatever. Yeah, you can go to wizard school. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. And I get a wand. And you meet two awesome people who are going to become your lifelong friends uh, in in Ron and Hermione. And um, then shit starts kicking off from there. So, Uh, Book two, we meet Dobby. 
Who oh, Tommy's great. <laughs> is what you so in our little notes thing, you said who's your favorite character, and I think outside of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, I think Dobby is one of my favorite characters yeah. as as a book character, yeah. not so much as a grand representation of life and things in life, um, but as an actual physical literary. I don't know. Is it considered literature? Yeah. Literary, literary character. Literary character, yeah. He is... I adore him. He's wonderful. Um, so much like... Um, he Immediately, he, he comes in in the second book, like, very... You know, first chapter, he's, he's right there. And he's, like, immediate comic relief. Yeah. You know? Like, slamming his head up against his, the wall because he says something that he's not supposed to say because he is a house elf and... Throwing the cake off the top of the fridge. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Doing doing magic that, um, you know, and, and Harry's not supposed to be doing underage magic because he's not... He's not... He's not of he's, age yet. He's not underage is um, what I was going to say. And <laughs> cheers to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I agree. I, I love the introduction of Dobby. He's fantastic. Um, I love where his story goes. His, his and Harry's friendship, even though it's very like, um, you know, it's not a ton. There's not a ton of it in in the whole series altogether. But it's so pure and it's so loving. They're both beaten down. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're both in these life situations where yes. it sucks. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, I think that helps gravitate and magnetize them to each other. They can relate to each other yep. very, very well. Um, so my, I, my <laughs> the quote that I have, I have two of them, obviously. They're both great, I think. Uh, we have one from Ron Weasley that says, when in doubt, go to the library. Because, yes! Because books! <laughs> well, and he's, I think when he says that, he's making fun of Hermione. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is, honestly, if you were any slower, you'd be going backward, which Draco Malfoy, the mm. most evil little child in the yeah. whole series. Yeah. He's a little bitch. I'm pretty sure he says that to his henchmen too. Yeah, to Crab and Goyle. I think so. I think so because yeah, they're they're just waste of life. Honestly, <laughs> they are. And I think their whole purpose of being is so that when uh, Ron and Harry drink the Polyjuice potion, that they can become these two people. Absolutely. Otherwise, there's really no point in them Absolutely. being there. I, I other would, than to build up Draco's I confidence and haven't himself. reread the series myself in a really long time. Like it's been a while. So, like, I would love to know if Crab and Goyle show up in book one or, like, you know, I-, I can't remember if they were still his henchmen in book one or if they, like, they just came in book two for that particular reason. I feel like they were, but I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. And yeah. I-, I read it not that long ago. So I'm, I have read um, one, two, and three with Adam. Mm-hmm. And then I we, we have book four. We haven't started it yet. Um, we were stuck reading a, a book for a really long time. That we didn't finish, and I had to give it back to the library because I got a you owe me twenty dollars for the replacement version of the book. Um, <laughs> so we turned that back in. I'm hoping we can start book four, but four, five, and six and seven I haven't read other than the one time that I read them. Ooh, whenever yeah. I read them, yeah. so I know that I remember. And part of our situation when we were going to break up the the series or this episode with one through three and four through seven, I know that I remember not liking five, six, and seven as much as I liked one, two, and three. Ooh. And four. Well, four is my favorite. But I, I remember four being such a pivotal turning point. And I think that might be why four is my favorite because it's light and reading, light, 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 fun, light, fun. And then there's this Triwizard Tournament. And then all of a sudden it's like 
dark. Yeah. And we're fighting a war. Yeah. And we're in an army. And You know what's funny is that's the reason why those are my favorites. So I think I really need to reread them again because I was I was in the series and I was invested in it because it was so light and fun. And then when it took that hard turn, I was kind of like, meh. I... But I'm that much older, too. Right. So it wasn't, like, as young yeah. to me. I've always been a fan of... Um, I've always been a fan of light versus dark, good versus evil. And when these books start getting real adult, that's when they, not saying that the first two, one, two, and three didn't grab me immediately. I would say probably at the end of three, I was like, this is the greatest thing that I've ever read. And I don't ever want to not, I don't ever want to go back to not having these in my life. And a lot of that has to do with like, the fact that they're so these are these are kids, but they're dealing with very adult situations, hard things, yeah. hard things that these kids are going through, and and we all know that like a lot there are a lot of kids out there that go through very adult situations Absolutely. and problems at a very young age. Didn't J.K. Rowling write them because she was a single mom trying to raise her kids? Yes. And yes, that's what I got. Yes, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure like she wrote the she wrote the first one like mainly on a fucking napkin you know like traveling from um i want to say like london to edinburgh or something like that you one know? of the other random pieces of paper that i printed is uh fun facts or random facts things that you didn't know and one of them is you never know when inspiration will strike and rowling jotted down the hogwarts house names on an airplane vomit bag that's pretty cool that's pretty cool. Why don't, since you just brought up the house names, I want to ask you two questions. Um, the first one is something I just saw on Twitter recently, and it, it made me laugh out loud because, yes, it's funny and also kind of true, but at the same time, they're magical, so, like, they can get rid of it. But, like, somebody had tweeted, how many of the, the Hogwarts kids got lice from the, from the sorting <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Every single one. But at no, the same wait, time... It's magical. It's Exactly. At the same time, it, it wouldn't matter. It's like immediately... It's a living disinfe- thing, like, yes, right? Yeah. It's immediately disinfected because yeah. it's fucking... It's like, get out of here. Whatever. Done. We don't have to worry about that. So I thought that was funny. Just a cute thing that that I saw. The second thing. And then Team Ravenclaw. Is that what the other thing you were going to say? The second thing I was going to ask you is which house do you belong to, which I don't even need to ask because I know. You know. You know. We're both Raven, proud Ravenclaws. You know, that's. I didn't know it until we took our famed trip down to New York City. You did. You took the test in the beginning. No, I did it. We did it. So we went down to see um, both. Uh, I guess both cursed showings, yeah, but, yes. both parts of yes. the Cursed Child down yeah. in New York City, right at the hard start of COVID, right before COVID, March fifth, like... twenty twenty. I want to say is when we were there. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't lick any doorknobs, and we, we didn't... didn't wear masks, and we didn't get COVID. Yeah. So, but while we were sitting in that showing, which, by the way, if you ever get a chance to go see that on Broadway, holy it shit, phenomenal. It the, was it, phenomenal. it's magical. It literally is magical yes but we i did it on the app while we were sitting there you're like you're a ravenclaw and i was like oh let me just make sure and then, yeah of course yeah. i'm a fucking ravenclaw i knew i knew she would be a ravenclaw and and just going back to that they have changed the um the play itself uh it's no longer in two parts it's, it's just one one show good however i want to know how much they've cut out from that you know what i mean like because maybe there's three intermissions long. Maybe it's maybe there's a little bit more of an intermission. Absolutely, maybe um, you can bring your drink to your seat. Oh, well, in COVID, you're not allowed to do that anymore, which is really frustrating. Mask the straws. But um, yes, we went down for we went down. We took a trip for my birthday in 2020, 
and it was literal days before Broadway shut down because of COVID. All I remember thinking was, I feel so lucky. Absolutely. I feel so lucky that we went when we did. I think we sent it at the end of March, and then we sent it, not sent it, set it in April, yes. and then June, yes. and then and September, exactly and still how saying it. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, Broadway opened up this past September, October, I think it was, and we went back to another show. Yeah, we thought we were going to bookend COVID with yeah, Broadway we, trips, but it's still going on. So we, yeah, well, we we do we love just have going to go back when it actually is over. <laughs> we love making our Broadway trips, and uh, this last time we went to see Hamilton, which was fantastic too. But um, well, that's not Harry Potter. No, but Lin Manuel Miranda does love Harry Potter. <laughs> At any rate, uh, it was great. the The subject matter, like the Cur- Cursed Child, it's got a lot of issues. It's got a lot of canon issues. Like you know, it's not. It's really weird, like, apparently Voldemort can have kids, and he had a kid with, you know, Bellatrix and whatever, which is kind of strange, in my opinion. But it still was amazing. It was an amazing show. Like, to see magic done live in front of yeah. you instead of on the screen yeah. is fucking right, cool. Right, because it's not movie theater magic. Yes. It's actually, like, yes, what appears to be real magic in front of your face. And there's, at the end of, I think, at the end of the first act like the first show when you know everybody leaves or whatever there's a like a literal gasp out loud moment and not going to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it but just go and see it it's freaking phenomenal it's so good absolutely anyway uh back to which all of that is based on the book that comes out after the whole Harry Potter series. Yes, the the play. It's not even a book. It's a play. Uh, the first it had two covers and pages in the middle. It's a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. It, it's a screenplay. But, or a screenplay. Whatever. Anyway. Um, I mean, it doesn't, you know. We're not going to go the, But it's in the future. After mm-hmm. Harry Potter and Ginny, Ron's little sister, yeah. finally get together, which... I felt like it needed to happen sooner in the series. The whole crush on Cho Chang, I was kind of like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. I, um, I'm going to throw out something real controversial here, Katie. And did you want him to be with Hermione? I did. I did. I am a Harry Hermione shipper for life. I don't care what anybody says to me. Harry and Hermione belong together. That's it. I can appreciate that. But at the same time, like I fully understand why they couldn't be because then Ron's literally just the third wheel. But I mean, doesn't it make Harry the third wheel if Ron and Ron and Hermione are together? No, I mean, because they kind of pulled Ginny in. Like it's still in the family. Still, I, I get what you mean. The group of people. You and I, you and me both. When we read a book, we probably pick out two people and we're like shippers all the way. Yeah. Like you know, if we're talking Twilight, I'm a Jacob and Bella t- shipper for life. <laughs> I'm not. I know, I know you don't agree with that, and most people do not, and they don't end up together. I am notorious for picking the ship that doesn't end up together because I just love the tension that the groups have when, you know, whatever. I always thought that Ron didn't really challenge Hermione in an intellectual way. Not at all. As Harry, like in, in a way that Harry could and does. And I just, I don't understand why Hermione, with how amazing she is, would choose some, I listen, and don't get me wrong, I fucking love Ron. Ron is a great character. He's a wonderful liter- literary character. And I, I love how he has portrayed in the movies and, you know, whatever. But um, not good enough. Just not good enough for Hermione. Point blank. 
and i mean i would have been happy with her to be with victor too so yeah i yeah i honestly in, in goblet of fire like i would immediately yep. like okay if it's, it's sure. not on cool <laughs> but i just you know it's just i don't see the everybody says they have so much chemistry and i just don't see it myself it's i don't not... i also do not actually see the chemistry in there but i understand why she wrote it that way so that it is a pairing that can be together sure i can have neon redhead kids and yeah not but i i do i i can appreciate your wanting harry and hermione to be together i do and whenever whenever there's like a whenever there's like an internet thing that's like what's your most controversial harry potter opinion that's my number one go-to yeah. like i want harry and hermione to have had babies together because i love them so much and they both deserve in my opinion better than what they got um i mean if we're talking like movie situation here like Ginny and Harry just, in my opinion, did not have any sort of chemistry no. at all. But Harry and Hermione had tons of it. Mm-hmm. Tons of it. I, I just don't see the same with um, Ron and, and Hermione. But that's my opinion. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me. So <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. It's, it's good how she wrote it. It would have been better this way. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So let's get back to our the way that we were going. Prisoner of Azkaban is is next, and Prisoner of Azkaban is one of my favorites because, as we discussed previously, it has the best plot twist. Like, this book is so incredibly, like, plotted out. I'm just like, how does one person have this in their head? To and, be able to write it out and, like that, And absolutely. be able to pull it off without yep. any sort of issue or plot hole at all. Yep. It's incredible. I... I... I did very much enjoy it. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best plot twist ever. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the best plot twist in Harry Potter. I can't necessarily tell you which one is better. However, I do appreciate it. And I am really glad that Harry actually did have a a living relative to him for part of the series that he's aware of. And that is not... Not blood relative, but... But also not... Okay, so when I say relative, I don't mean specifically like you said blood relative just it's a family member technically like yeah right but it's it's a more of a loving family member than the family that is his blood that, that he has grown Correct. up with that Correct. have treated him like shit yes and i think one of the most devastating things about that book is he he is told in the shrieking shack hey i'm your godfather i want you to live with me Let's, you know, whatever. And Harry is so ec- ecstatic. Like, someone he doesn't want to go back yes, to the Dursleys at someone, all. Someone He's who like loved my in. parents, yep. who was friendly with my parents, someone who can teach me who I am, what I'm about, everything. That's immediately taken from him. Immediately taken from him yeah. because the Dementors come for them. Which, he, by the way, Dementors are fucking creepy as shit. Oh, my God. I think they're, honestly... They're one of the scariest things I've I've read about or even seen in like they were depicted fantastic. Yes, they were with the way that they were creepy. Yes. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Yes, they are. Yeah. Sorry. And, I didn't mean to cut you off. And <laughs> just honestly, the the idea of something that can just suck the joy from you yeah. is Which, terrifying. It, absolutely. Yeah. Because if you don't have anything happy to live for, then what the fuck are you doing? Well, the idea of <laughs> Here's something like the idea of a place like Azkaban, where Dementors are the um, corrections officers, basically, that can literally like just them being around you sucks all of your happiness out of you. That is incredibly like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Inhumane. Like, 
even having criminals. Yeah, but you know what's creepy is that I am sure that there are corrections officers that That are are representative of the Deventers that walk through and people are fucking terrified of that. Absolutely. And that's why that they were made this way, I'm sure. And, And I mean... Katie, you work for, you know... I mean, I don't want to brag about it, but I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there's definitely some in New York State, but it's possible. Just saying. I mean, <sighs> listen, this is another, you know, th- like, we can talk about the the fact that the whole prison system needs overhauling, and, like... We're working on it. Yeah. There's a whole lot of shit that's <laughs> happening this year, I swear to God. Oh, I like, I like the sound of that. But, like, just knowing that there's something like that out there it's terrifying it's terrifying and like when you're when you're seeing it from the perspective of someone in the book like they're all absolutely if they're if it's, if azkaban is mentioned and you might be thrown in azkaban like forget it mm-hmm. it's horrifying it's the a fact place that somebody no one can, wants to be. The, but the fact that somebody can even have the mental capacity to plot and escape and get out of there yes being that suppressed by all of the emotions exactly. and all of the the, the negative emotions exactly. and getting like stamped down into depression yes. essentially it's amazing that somebody could even still have the wherewithal to do to any get of out that. yeah yeah um so what are your quotes for prisoner of well they're obviously the two best ones and uh the first one is i solemnly swear i am up to no yes good. and and oh, the shoot <laughs> yeah so uh previous to recording our harry potter episode with our butterbeer we had a episode that will be coming out before uh, this before this yeah, yeah. so our, yeah. our mini producer chris episode uh we were drinking from our harry potter glasses and the second quote is mischief managed yes which are both with the marauders map yes. adam is adamant that yeah, adam is adamant <laughs> that he would love to have a map that shows him where all the people are can we briefly talk about the the plot hole okay so i said that there's no plot major plot holes but the plot <laughs> hole that is the marauders map so harry sees peter pettigrew's feet on the marauders map and he's wondering okay what what the hell this guy's supposedly dead he's the reason why sirius black is in prison because sirius black killed peter, peter pettigrew um, and they were friends, and they are the ones who made the Marauders map with James and uh, Remus Wormtail, Snake, uh, uh, Padfoot, Prongs, Wormtail, and why the fuck can't I think of the last one? Oh my god, Padfoot, Prongs, Wormtail, and Mooney, 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 yeah, Lupin. Yep. Yes. So, what's funny is that the Marauders map was given to Harry by George and Fred, and who are awesome, who are fantastic. I love them. I yep. love them so much. But why? Why did they never notice that when Ron was sleeping with with Scabbers the rat that Peter Pettigrew Peter was Pettigrew in the fucking was room? in bed with him. <laughs> well, why could Harry see Peter Pettigrew on this map as Scabbers, but I never put the two together? Fred and yeah, but Fred so, and George couldn't. Okay, see that. So now here's my mom of a nine year old who's oblivious to a whole lot of shit around him. Mm-hmm. He could walk into something and still not see it. So sure. I will give I, I I can see your point in the plot hole, especially since Sirius Black was supposedly in jail for killing him. And that is that it's it's very disgust. Yeah. But at the same time, Harry's not pulling out the Marauders map looking for Peter Pettigrew. He just, He's looking he for Snape. He's yes. looking for the way out and making sure there's nobody around him. He's not looking for him specifically. So right. I can I can 
I can give him credit for being oblivious to the fact and, that he's not paying attention. To that and shit. he literally had just heard the name Peter Pettigrew like that day or something like right. that. So it just stuck out in his head probably. Okay. I, I can take that. I can okay. totally take that. It's just one of those things like say that Ron or not Ron, um, Fred and George were like, oh, let's use the Marauder's Map to sneak out of the com- the common area, the-, the tower, the Gryffindor Tower, and let's see where everybody is. And Ron is sleeping with Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> Look at how snuggly. Which one's Big Spoon? Which one's Little Spoon? <laughs> it's just one of those things that, like, always kind of stuck with me. But, but um, at the same time, didn't Peter Pettigrew get run away and scared away by uh, Hermione's cat, like, fairly early in that book? Yeah, but Ron and or uh, I keep saying Ron, but Fred and George have had the Marauders map for a while and not actually paid. Okay, so yes. they haven't paid attention. Yes, to it. so they've yeah they've had it. The only reason why they give it to Harry is because they just feel at that like they know where all of the good stuff I get what is, your point is. Yeah. and okay. they just want Harry to have it because he needs it at that point because he needs to go to Hogsmeade. Yes, exactly, exactly. Do you want to take a quick pause? Yeah, I think that's a good. I think it's a good place. We're gonna get our new drink. Yes, we will. Yeah. All right, we are back. We are back from our little mini break. Making... And we just did the coolest thing ever. <laughs> we made our second cocktail. And uh, what's it called, Katie? It's called the Goblet of Fire. And? And it has uh, vodka and blue curacao and lemonade and then a splash of Bacardi 151, which is no longer made. Yeah. And so we used Everclear because shout out to the ladies that work in the liquor store next to Burgers. Uh, <laughs> you recommended Everclear because I said I needed something that's going to light on fire. And we put that on top and lit it on fire and then sprinkled in some cinnamon and that motherfucker sparked yeah and that it was, was really, really cool. fucking cool it was really cool we got a picture of it only one of them really worked but did um, you do video or just picture i did a picture i did just did a picture okay because I was so afraid check it out our socials to find yes, that picture because exactly. that was cool as hell it was very neat um you want to taste it you ready yes cheers it. cheers it tastes like burning <laughs> Tastes Ooh. delicious. Yes, it does. It tastes like lemon and blue carousel. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. Orange lemonade um, with a kick. I don't hate it. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right. So jumping back into our conversation, we left off with um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, we finished our, our discussion on that, and we're going to jump into Goblet of Fire yes. and beyond. We're going to try to kind of like mesh these together because we're going long already. Yep. And we kind of, <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like they, they all kind of... They can be meshed well together. Yes, yes there's yeah. obviously unique things with each book, but the grand scheme of the whole point from this point forward is defeating Voldemort. Correct. And, and what they need to do to get yes. there and the people that die along the way. Yes. Um, so I, in that whole front, I've told you Goblet of Fire is my absolute favorite. Yep. The reason it's my favorite is the whole Triwizard Tournament and the fact that Harry gets elected, basically, yeah. from the Goblet of Fire as the person that's going to be one of the representatives for Hogwarts in this Triwizard Tournament. Yes. And it actually causes a huge riff with mm-hmm. him, and, him, Ron, him and Ron, because yep. Ron's like, F you, you thought you were just going to drop your name in there and try to get more accolades yeah. than you actually deserve? Ron was kind of a bitch in this whole scenario. Because he was. He- First of all, he knows that Harry couldn't have put his name in by himself. Because he's not allowed to. He wasn't old enough. Like, you had to be 17 and Dumbledore drew an age line. So there was no possible way that Harry could have... Without Hermione's help, Harry could not have put his name into the Goblet of Fire. There's just no possible way. So, like I've said, I haven't reread this one. Do we remember how his name got into it? Yes, we do. Okay, so we being you, because I don't. Yes. Uh, Barty Crouch Jr., who is in... Who is taking Polyjuice Potion as Mad-Eye Moody and is turning into Mad-Eye Moody because he has 
okay. taken over Mad-Eye Moody's yep. persona or whatever, and he puts Harry's name into the Goblet of Fire. As Mad-Eye Mooney. At Voldemort's Moody. request. Because Voldemort well, needs... Wants to get him to that graveyard To the graveyard at the end, end. Okay. yes. Which, let's just, like... It's really presumptive presumptive of Voldemort to think that Harry's going to get to the end, first well, of all. Correct. I do. I agree with you there. But I also think Voldemort is so, um, he's so egocentric and ego, like has so much egomania that he automatically thinks that because Harry defeated him when he was a baby, he doesn't really understand how Harry defeated him. He doesn't understand that it was his mother's love that protected him from Voldemort's Avada Kedavra curse. So he's so egocentric just thinking right off the bat that, of course, Harry's going to get there. How will he not? Because he was able to defeat me when he was a baby. So he has to be just as strong as I am. Exactly. He has to be the one that's going to get there. Which he is. He is, of course. And But little does he know that Harry is a selfless kind of person who's going to say, hey, to Cedric, hey... Let's take it together. We made it this far together. Let's go this far together. And it's to the insane detriment of, like, our our collective hearts, yes, you know? Because... Absolutely. Which it is, it, as far as I recall, even reading these first three with, with Adam, it, it's essentially the first major death of a character correct i mean obviously harry's parents are already dead but that doesn't happen that's like happens before the this stories. happens on the page in our faces you read it, yes. yes and it's it devastating is, and it's a this i've always said that this book is the pivotal moment where it does turn into a dark series and that's yet another example of why yes, yes. this is um i as as i said before order of the phoenix is probably my favorite only because we're like we're in that section where like Harry and Hermione and Ron and and um Luna and Neville and they're all kind of like taking on because the the adults are kind of shutting them out the kids are deciding on their own you know what we are the ones who are going to take this on we're going to do this stop trying to shut us out yeah. yes and yep. and that's why i love order of the phoenix so much but if i were to step back goblet of fire is a very pivotal book. That whole graveyard scene, the entire graveyard scene, is one of the things that sticks out in my mind is one of the greatest things ever written. It's just so beautiful. Like, from the entire... I mean, it's devastating. Devastatingly beautiful. But... But it's well written. It, it, it's insanely well written. And, like, up to now, we've had four books of this specter of he who shall not shall not be named um and you know yeah you're seeing little snippets of him and you're seeing these things what's going on oh battery savers on consider plugging in your device so we're gonna Shit. consider we're gonna that we're gonna, yes. real real quick we'll be right back and we're back so <laughs> back to the specter of he yes. who shall not be named yeah so like throughout the first three books and much of the fourth you're seeing these little things of what voldemort could be and then you get to this graveyard and you're seeing what Voldemort is. Right. Because he's not at full power at all until... Until Harry that. gets there and they do the spell and here he is. And he's fully formed again and he's absolutely terrifying looking. And um, I don't know, like, when I saw the movie and saw Rafe Fiennes, you know, as him, I was just like... That's how you say his name? Yeah, Rafe. It's yeah. not Ralph Phineas? No, it's Rafe. Fuck. Rafe Fiennes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he plays him so phenomenally well. And just, 
absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. I cannot picture him as any other person Mm -mm. and any other character he ever is. He's got... You're immediately He's got Voldemort undercurrents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's Voldemort for you. But so, yeah, that whole scene makes that book what it is for me. It's just that for me. Like, I mean, that it, it really is the, the biggest yes. scene, like it, even with all of the other, you know, the challenges of all of the, the tasks that Harry is given to, right. to get to the end, to get to that point in time are monument or minuscule compared to the monumental task at the end. Right, exactly. And and when Harry brings back Cedric's body and everybody is cheering because they don't know what's happened. They don't yet. realize he is dead. They don't realize that Cedric is dead dead on the ground and Harry is is devastated and Harry is crying over his body and he won't leave his body and then um Amos Diggory realizes what's going on and like I I don't really remember in in the book but like I can just picture it in the movie myself like he's just screaming my boy that's my boy and like it's devastating it's horrible and like this is, and then you're like you're thrown back in the fact that this is a children's book, right? And I I almost wonder if that's part of my, I mean, granted we had the whole library snafu thing, a little bit of trepidation book, with, but um... yeah, I, I'm not ready to dive right into that because one of the things that we do is as soon as we finish the book, we watch the movie, and yeah. I think that Adam could handle it, but Eric also watches the movies with us, and yeah. five years old, I'm like, no, yeah, I'm it might not be ready a little... for for your nightmares on that one. It yeah, might be a little bit tough. It might yeah. be a little bit tough. I don't know. It's did we did we do your quotes? For I haven't. This book? So okay. I have. So I'm gonna read the first one first. Obviously, uh, the first one is if you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, mm-hmm. not his equals, by yes. Sirius Black. And I really did like that one. I mean, shit, that's a great quote for it's a how great life right quote. Now. And I think yes. I was having a lot of that last night as I was reading through these, is mm-hmm. it, picking out ones of our status quo <laughs> with with all of society. Absolutely. Um, and the other one is. Right along with that, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided, Albus Dumbledore. And it's like... <sighs> <laughs> just fantastic. Come on! <laughs> and like, and that's another thing for me, is just like, I I love reading so much, and I love... This, the, I just love words. And the fact that someone can put words together to make things sound that beautiful and, like, profound is just absolutely, like... right. That's a heart stopping. That is a however many year old, hundreds of year old wizards quote from a children's book. And it's so applicable to literally everything. Every day. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I don't know, like certain things I can just read and I'm just, I have, I don't know if I ever told you this. I actually have a, a book like a journal book and whenever I read like a quote that yeah you I told love, me you really like the yeah I I will write it down and I'll go back to that book every now and then and I'll just randomly read through the quotes and like just have like a crazy like mind <laughs> experience you know but um yeah before or after an edible I've never I've never read it after an edible I should probably do that but <laughs> um all right moving along like let's move on right to, on to number five order of the phoenix um my favorite of the series because Harry is really coming into himself here he's kind of on the outs with everybody because um he's uh everybody at school there's so many people at school who refuse to believe that Voldemort is back they think Harry is lying for attention um and it's very much like Harry just growing up into like adulthood and like being a sullen teenager yeah it's so relatable you know that and also it it makes you question whether 
it really all is in Harry's mind or if it's coming about because of Dolores Umbridge. Oh god, Dolores Umbridge. And we meet her. Dolores fucking Umbridge. So on the bottom of our note sheet, you have, is she worse than Voldemort? And I kind of really think she is because half of the population, or probably more than half, hate Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And they, they know he's not to be trusted. He's the evil lord. He's the dark lord. He's all these bad things. He shouldn't rise to power. Trump. And... Dolores Umbridge is given this position of power in charge of all these students, and she is not as... Outwardly scary? Outwardly scary. She's not as revolted against. She's not as terrifying in her personification as a person. And people aren't like, you can't go to Hogwarts because Dolores Umbridge is now your headmaster. Right. Or your High Inquisitor right. or whatever the hell yeah. her title is that she gets to be. The High it, Inquisitor, yeah. Is it? Okay. So it, it's not as, it's it's more devious and more sneaky and more undermining yes. that that's where she yes. is. And I do think she is more evil. I think. Not I, in power wise, but. Yes. I think when. Circumvented power. I think when. She she is terrifying to me in the sense that she's right in your face the entire time in, in this book, whereas Voldemort is kind of on the outskirts. Like, we're still very much like Voldemort is hidden away because most people don't even believe that he's back yet, so he's still kind of, like, just hiding behind the scenes. And... Dumble- or, or, um, Dolores Umbridge is, is, is this little woman... Dresses in pink, loves kittens, and she's just a hideous human being. And you don't expect it. Like, that little laugh that she has in the movies <laughs> that's just like, <laughs> that kind yep. of thing is... So, uh, in the other paper thing that I printed, I don't remember... Oh, little known facts. Um, what I have here for that is that even Stephen King was freaked out by Dolores Umbridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget Voldemort, one-time Defense Against Dark Arts professor Dolores Umbridge has been deemed one of fiction's creepiest villains by none other than famed horror writer Stephen King. And this is a quote. The gently smiling Dolores Umbridge with her girlish voice, toad-like face, and clutching stubby fingers is the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> King wrote in his 2009 review of Order of the Phoenix. I love that. And I was like... Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep, I like that. She really is. Because because if she terrified Stephen King. Yes. What the fuck? Absolutely. And she's, she's a real person like in your face all the time in this, in this book. Yes. She's always there. She's always around the corner. She's always always catching you doing. Trying to find where the kids are. And this is where Dumbledore's army comes into play because Dolores Umbridge is very much, everybody's under the thumb of Dolores Umbridge in this specific book. Dumbledore has left the castle because um, because they uh, the Ministry of Magic has found out about Dumbledore's army, which Dumbledore has nothing to do with. Um, but but he, he takes the blame. He claims for it. credit for the army, and he leaves the school because he of leaves that. the school because of it. And they're never going to find him because he's fucking Dumbledore. Yeah, you know, like they can try to. He's the greatest wizard. He's the greatest of wizard of all time. And I do think that this book has a little bit of a. This book is a little difficult for me as well because. Harry and Dumbledore have have grown so much together, and then this entire book, they're like... They're apart. They're apart. They're apart. But immediately, in Half-Blood Prince, they're right back together. 
And the whole book of Half Blood Prince is Harry and Dumbledore getting private lessons, getting private, understanding doing, the history yes, of, yes. of Voldemort. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, did you have any more quotes for Order of the Phoenix, or was that it? Um, so I didn't read you any yet. <laughs> <laughs> they are actually oh. neither one are really that applicable to the actual book itself they're both Hermione quotes and one says just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean we all have and I don't know who she was saying that to I feel like it was Ron, Ron I'm gonna guess yeah <laughs> um but I just it made me smile and then um I mean it's sort of exciting isn't it breaking the rules and her flipping her very rigid yes. very yes. educational very disciplined self to become a part of Dumbledore's exactly. army and, and she loves and it flip to that is like Yes. It's titillating. She like, you can just feel it. her, like, ooh. Yes. And, I, like, again, it's been a while since I've read Order of the Phoenix, but Same. there is a scene that kind of sticks out in my mind a little bit, and they're at, um, they're at the safe house, and I believe it's on Christmas break, and Molly is cleaning the house, you know, with, with magic and whatever, um, and Harry's kind of catching, like watching her she's having kind of a mini breakdown and you can tell like she's very nervous and worried about like she's what... very high strong she's very high strong she's worried about like what all of this means for her her family in general and that's harry included and yep. like all of the order of the phoenix and like it's a really like tough thing to read because molly weasley is a very like stoic character and she's very much like mom mom like rigid mom character she reminds me of very like farmhouse mom yes and she yeah and she's cleaning out the bogarts in the house and like the bogarts are turning into her dead family members uh, you remember bogarts are the things that um they come you know they hide in the closets they hide in dark places and when you clean when you come face to face with one it turns into what you're what you're, most of, scared of, what you're yeah. most scared of so these things are turning into her children dead on the ground. And, you know, Harry is watching this unfold, like, from the background, and, you know, he sees himself dead on the floor. Like, she so fiercely loves these people and takes Harry into her family without any questions asked, you know? And I love... I love Molly Weasley as a character. I think she's fantastic. She is. I I, I would love her to be my mother. Mom, I'm sorry. Don't listen to that. I love <laughs> Like, I love you. <laughs> you know what, though? I feel like your mom has a lot of her characteristics, She kind of does. She kind of does. does. My mom is, is fiercely loyal as well. And, like, but it's a very devastating scene, in my, in my opinion. I, I love, it's just something that always sticks out in my mind is, is Molly watching all of her family die when the Bogarts come out. Mm -hmm. she's just doing this very mundane task of cleaning the house, you know? Um, so that's how you can tell, like, this story is getting incredibly dark and serious. Yeah. Just because And it's of still that. a fucking kid's book. It's still a kid's book. Yes. Tween book? Yeah, I guess at this point, because you're, you're thinking that the kids are growing along with, with Harry, Harry. As, as he grows. And at this point, he's basically a sophomore in high school so uh yeah drinking yes. underage parties <laughs> exactly exactly or fighting death <laughs> right whatever right Either they're one. doing like completely different things that we did not do i mean the the final battle in the ministry of magic between um harry and voldemort and uh, bellatrix and um and sirius and sirius dying like i i want to say that like that's the death that like hit me the hardest in this entire series was when Sirius died because it's not even like 
Sirius was hit with a spell that killed him. Right. He goes into the veil and is never heard from again. Right. And, like, that's it. Like, Harry has no body to bury. He has nothing there. It's just gone. As fast as he came into his life, he's He's already gone. gone. He's gone. Yeah. And he never got a chance to live with him. And do all the things Uh that he was promised. Uh Um, It's devastating. It's sad. On that side note, Bellatrix is one of my favorite Scream characters. Oh, she's great. Helena Bonham Carter. I mean... Fucking fantastic. I I cannot honestly think of a single role that she's ever played that I'm like, ah, she could have done that better. Yeah. I think she is fantastic. No, she's an amazing actress. I, I'm not going to lie. I have curly hair, and I'm jealous of Bellatrix curls, because I think they're beautiful. <laughs> your hair looks just like hers. If you, uh, you dyed your hair black, you'd look, you'd look not pretty the, similar. I don't have those spiral curls. <laughs> those are like... Those are movie magic curls. But anyways, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if you watched the um, the Harry Potter reunion. I did not. So what's it on Netflix? It's on it's on HBO. It's on an HBO Max channel. But um, so I watched it and I cried an, an awful lot. I'm sure lot. I would cry and, the entire time. But there was one part where Bellatrix, Helena Bottom Carter, and Daniel Radcliffe are sitting together, and she brings him this letter that Daniel wrote to her like when they were you know whatever really yeah and he's reading it and he's so bashful it's so adorable like he had a wicked crush on her and he basically told her i wish i were 10 years older like because you know whatever that's adorable super cute super adorable i absolutely love it um anybody who hasn't watched it and you you like the harry potter series Please watch it. It's Definitely. so good. That would be me. Yeah. You're talking to you're talking. Yes. To me. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so, so good. Um, okay, we gotta we gotta yeah, keep sorry. moving. We end of five. Moving. Um one last thing I wanna say is that at the end of five, Dumbledore reveals the prophecy that either Harry has to kill Lord Lord Voldemort or Lord Voldemort has to kill Harry. Neither which, can live while the other survives. Yeah. yeah. It's not there as yeah. one of my quotes. But yes. Anyways. <laughs> So, so going right into the Half Blood Prince. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Half Blood Prince is a great book in the sense that, um, again, like I said before, Dumbledore and Harry are basically together this entire book. Like they're he's directly under Dumbledore's tutelage. They're going into memories, and Harry is tasked with trying to retrieve a memory from uh, Professor Slughorn. And the memory is crucial because Slughorn inadvertently told uh, Tom Riddle, who is Voldemort, how to create Horcruxes. And the reason why this isn't so important, this is so important, is because Voldemort has learned how to basically fracture his soul and put it into different items. So unless these items are all destroyed, that he will never fully, completely die. Right. And so, which also, on the flip side of that, kind of explains why he is so fractured of a being and why he is so evil, because his soul is not complete. It's all over the place. They, They mention it several times in the book where the reason why he is so horrible is because, and, and no, like, and even the way that he looks is no longer human because he has fractured his soul in so many, so many times, different ways, so yeah. many different ways that like he can't be a real person. He can't be human anymore. Nobody has ever done something like this. this like there, yes. Like I they've mean, talked about Horcruxes before, and making one right is enough. Is, is enough to do it. Yes. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me, 
in a parallel universe that we live in of the people that have bajillions of dollars and all the time in the world and all the money in the world and they fake plastic their lips and they fake plastic their cheeks and they fake plastic their head and they fake it's like essentially fake plastic face <laughs> fake plasticing your entire face you don't look real anymore you don't look like a person because anymore. you've done so many things to destroy right what is natural right. to yourself yes yeah that did not come out nearly as well as i wanted to but i think you got my point i did get your point i did get your point <laughs> and like i just i this book is so 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 good to me because of i've always loved the chapters where we go into the pensive and go into memories yeah. of like far back yep. like stuff that happened to how voldemort and dumbledore met yes and like that kind of it's stuff the ex- it's the ex it's the <laughs> cheers to the vodka she's really having trouble right now <laughs> the explanation of the backstory yes. of how we got yes. to here and, and it's well put together exactly and it plays so beautifully exactly. like you can tell reading this book specifically that she has known exactly where she's going from page fucking one which is unbelievably yes. miraculous yes. to me through seven books absolutely it, it's incredible just somebody who loves reading books it's like it's it's something that you can seriously appreciate and i i wish that i could even like form thoughts that were that complex you know what i mean it's just it's crazy but half-blood prince when i'm talking about it it has to be on the list of the best books in the series because of that kind of thing and like um the going into the backstory of voldemort and not to mention snape so, so I wrote down a couple notes about this because, like I said, I haven't read it in a while. So I did a quick, like, quick summary version of the book, like, essentially a Cliff's Note version of it. And we have that Harry's the Quidditch captain. So he hits that peak. Snape is all of a sudden the defense against the Dark Arch teacher. Yes. So he hits that peak. He has peak. that peak, yes. Uh, in, Ron gets in, on the Quidditch team, right? Or is... Ron's on the team. Harry falls for Ginny. Uh, they go on a, Harry and Dumbledore go on a mission for the Horcrux and they come back to battle the Death Eaters that were led in by Malfoy. So Malfoy is at his peak. Yep. It's like all of the things are are apexing yes. to lead into that last it's, book. It's legitimately like the series is climaxing right now. Like the cl- series itself is now at the climax. Yes. And book seven comes and we're finally going to get the the resolution to that stuff. Of all of the things. All of the things that have been building up for six Five other books. Yes. We got to this point. Yes. (gasps) When... (laughs) <laughs> when they get back from the cave and you know they're in the um the the bell tower or whatever it is the um I can't remember yes, astronomy one. tower yes the astronomy tower and of all the people what? of all the people <laughs> but like to die uh, that was devastating to me devastating and it I under it had to happen. It had to happen. And we don't know the full weight of why it had to happen until well into book seven. It's definitely one of those deaths that you're like I I remember crying for hours. Oh, uh, absolutely. Hours I cried over this. This is Dumbledore's death we're talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just we hadn't said it. <laughs> I just felt like we should <laughs> And 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 the fact that it came at Snape's hands and you're 
And all through this book, you're kind of seeing Snape in a different light, kind of, because, you know, we at this point, we've learned that he's, you know, we're, we're learning that he's the half-blood he prince, and he was in love with Lily, Lily and, mm-hmm. you know, we don't see the full weight of that until, until Deathly Hallows. The whole time, you know, you're always on the side of ha- where Harry is thinking that Snape is, Snape a is a dick. Death Eater, <laughs> an asshole, like, yep. you know, but Dumbledore Out has never him. wavered in his trust nope, him. he's there he's there for a reason he has never wavered and then when dumbledore says severus please and we as readers don't know what that mean yet meant yet you know like we don't know that he's begging severus to kill him because he has to it's um just heart-wrenching heart-wrenching yeah okay D- did so you so my did... two quotes i have for this are, are not really as pivotal as this book is but none of the ones on this page actually are um so one is dumbledore says people find it far easier to forgive others for being wrong than being right and hermione Mm -hmm. says that and the other one is age is foolish and forgetful when it underestimates youth and dumbledore says that and i that that one i really liked about the fact that don't underestimate you too many people yeah don't think that just because you've been doing it this way forever is the way it needs to continue going. This is on our same track of stuff that is is very uh, reminiscent of what's happening right now. Yes. Like, people are, are underestimating the, the kids right now. And they are the younger what's, generations. They are what's going to bring us out of this shithole that we're in right now. <laughs> Not by fighting mass mandates with your kids. But... Yeah. <laughs> The millennial Gen X, Gen whatever the Gen hell Z, we yeah. are right now. Yeah. 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 It's a, it, it's a good quote. I like it. Okay. Good. Because so, I wrote it down and I circled it. Yes. So <laughs> I guess just jumping into... Oh, I do have one thing that I did want to say. I guess it's really not. It doesn't have to be said with that one. Um, one of my fun fact things, wherever I put it... So, in regards to uh, the deaths that happened in this series, is there's a lot of them that are heartbreaking, like Dumbledore, like we were just talking about. Um, one of the, the little-known facts is that Rowling planned in advance who would meet a grim fate in the series, so she knew who she was going to kill off ahead of time, which yep. makes sense as to how she built up to Dumbledore dying, Dobby dying, Serious black dying, but she decided to spare one character's life at the last minute. Do you have a guess as to who she spared that she wanted to kill off? I believe, if I'm not wrong, that it's Arthur Weasley. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He was going to die, I believe, when this when Nagini attack or the the Nagini attack. Correct. Am I uh, wrong about that? Well, I, I don't have that much information, and I haven't read this book recently. Okay. But it originally she planned for him to meet a grim fate in the Order of Phoenix. But yes. changed her mind. Yes. I think part of the reason for that is there are very few good fathers in the book, she said in an interview. In fact, you could make a very good case for Arthur Weasley being the only good father in the whole series. And yes. I was like, yeah. 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 Because he is. Yeah. Don't kill him. Yeah. No, he's amazing. And like, I mean, she makes up for it with all the other deaths that she that she oh, yeah. places on us, uh, you know, um, God, why can't I? Is it Fred that dies? Fred or George? I can't remember. Shit, now I'm an asshole. One of them. But yeah, uh, one of the twins Which is dying. Sucks. It sucks. It's horrible. It's yep. horrifyingly sad. I so, think it was Fred. I could be wrong. Um, at any rate, let's just jump into the last one um, and just bring this all 
into to our final circle here. Harry, Ron, Hermione, like I said, they skip their last year because they are going on a hunt for Horcruxes. Which is such an interesting thing to be that this whole series has been book this of school, book this of school, book this of school, book this of school, book seven, the last one. I'm going to skip school. Yeah. I mean, they have to. At this point, they have to. They do. They, if they can't. There's no way that they can go on the hunt for these Horcruxes and try to figure out how to destroy the Horcruxes without, you know, while being at Hogwarts. It's just not possible. Agreed. However, like, to think of this monumental task as hitting somebody in your senior year of high school. Like, senior year of high school, you want to skip class. You don't want to, yeah. like, skip the year to go find all the things that are going to kill the monster evil of everything. Well, I think, like, I mean, at, after you read this, you also realize that Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they're going to go back for their final year. That You know, they're going to be fucking, like, second-year seniors, basically, you know? So they're <laughs> going to finish. School! And especially Hermione. <laughs> Hermione is definitely going back to school, you know? I, and like, that was, the, I think that was the hardest part to believe that this this girl who has been so into school and all of her education and buying all the books and the using that time turner to be in three classes at right, once exactly. and and doing all of these things yes. for her education to just be like you know what this is more important but exactly. and that's as that's how pivotal it is yes yes and she is so fiercely loyal to to every like to harry harry and ron that she knows they're not a they're not gonna be able to do without I, i'm sure that it was a very difficult decision for her to be like i'm not gonna go to my final year of school this is more important. I might die doing it, but this is something more important than than doing what I love most. Right. And I think I think it's it's important for Hermione to be with the people that she loves most. You don't see this in the book. Like I just I really love um I love this these two movies so much. Like they cut out a lot that I w- like I would have loved to see more. Like they changed a few things that, you know, kind of like we're like why you know, whatever. But but the fact that they took the one book and made it into two yes, movies so they could get so as much, much as so possible in. So they could get in. as much as possible in. I appreciate was, that. I did too. And like, because there were so many important things that happened in, in this book. Dobby dying. Um, the, the escape from Gringotts when they go to get the Horcrux out of Bellatrix's vault there. And then, you know, being being found out by Bellatrix and, and Hermione getting tortured by Bellatrix and all of that stuff. It's... There's a lot that happens in this book. And it's amazing to me that, like, that much was fit into, you know, the a 700-page book or whatever. And, yeah. yeah. But it's... I, I I don't know. There's just so much that happens. It's all of the words are written so specifically yeah. to get to that point in yes. time. That it is only a 700-page yeah. book. Like, yeah, that's a lot for a kid's book. Like, that's a big book. It's yeah. not obviously the biggest, but they're big tomes of right. book. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's what you're reading? When a kid looks at it, you're like, oh, that's a kid. I got to read that. What I was trying to get at before I lost my train of thought <laughs> on other stuff. Was, Cheers, vodka. Yes, exactly. But like, this is where my Harry Hermione train really started. I, I Of course, I was always very much like... But the dance scene in the movie. Can I just pause you and yeah. read you my first circled quote okay. for this book? Go for it. No, Harry, you listen, said Hermione. We're coming with you. That was decided months ago, years really. Yes. Continue okay. on. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Her- Hermione is just, I- I'm going to throw this out there and just say, like, I have a-, a question, like, favorite character of the series, Hermione is mine. I love her. Like, 
of course, Harry is the character. Harry is my love. I want to marry Harry. We've already established that. But Hermione is the heart and soul of this series, in my opinion. She is the smarts. She's the one that gets us where we are. She they would be nowhere with it. They'd all have been dead in book one. Like the first book, (laughs) she like finds the thing in like that restricted section. I think that was the first book where she goes in the restricted section of the library to find. Restricted section quite awesome. Fucking appreciate that. I can't talk right now. Holy (laughs) shit. I don't know what that was, but anyway. um, I appreciate the fact that she goes in the restricted section as much as she possibly can. And and it's it's hard for her too because she's not a rule breaker. So like she does it. But if she's going to do it someplace, it's going to be the library. Exactly. Exactly. So without Hermione, like, they don't make it past book one. It's just not... No. It's not feasible. So... She teaches all the spells, all the potions, all of the everything. And she she keeps that all in in her amazing brain. And, like... It's just, I love that she's the strongest. She's character. yeah, and to be a, a female character, it's fantastic. Yeah. She's just wonderful, and Emma Watson plays her so fucking well. It's I just, just wish her hair so was cuter great. in the beginning. Well, they made it. <laughs> that's what she. What she, said. she had big bushy hair. At and, the same you know, time, when you're 11, which one of us female characters at 11 looked cute? Right. None. Exactly. Yeah, we're all very awkward <laughs> at that stage. That's when my ship of Harry and Hermione. Like when I saw them on screen in that movie, the dancing scene in the tent after Ron leaves because he. Fe- the ho- he's wearing the Horcrux yeah. and he's pissed in, off, in, yeah, and thinking he's... that Harry and uh, Hermione are getting too close and they're they're sleeping together behind his back, basically, or fooling around behind his back, and they're so like the down. Horcrux is impressioning, impressioning him, Correct. impressioning him. Is yes. that, you know what yes. I mean? Like it's inf- influencing. Yeah, him, it's basically yeah. like a Dementor just hanging around their neck. Yeah, sucking the joy, sucking out the joy out of everything. Sees, yeah, so like that scene in the movie wasn't in the book but and and a lot of people hate that scene and i love it because it's this point in the book where or the movie rather where these two friends are so down and they're not getting anywhere they're just not finding they're not finding what they need they're not able to like they still don't know how to destroy this horcrux that they're wearing around their neck it's just what else are we supposed to do at this point and this song comes on the radio and harry is looking over at hermione and she's so sad because ron has left and he's just like you know we need to have a laugh or something some fun and he walks over and he takes her hand and they dance and it's kind of out of place, but it, it to me, like, when I see that scene, I cry. I'm like, this is so needed in this movie. And yeah, like, that for me is like, kiss. Will you kiss her, please? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to kiss so badly. <laughs> but along the way, we finally get Hermione and Ron kissing in the Chamber of Secrets when they destroy the, um, I can't remember what, I think it's the cup. I think the cup is what they destroy, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I just didn't get the same kind of feelings that I got with (laughs) Harry and Hermione dancing as I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not for me, but whatever. (laughs) I I can appreciate all of that. I do really like Hermione. Obviously, she's very strong. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. And uh, yeah, I mean, the final battle at Hogwarts, just the coolest thing that's ever happened like i mean it's amazing it's so amazing they go back and they tell people hey this is about to go down and then the teachers go outside and start putting all these wards up and like you know it's time it's literally the pivotal moment of all of the magic that you've been expecting exactly building up for and all of these these professors that are as 
wonderful and great as and they strong are. Yes. and yeah and the reason why they are the professors of their their sciences and their what the heck is the word i'm looking for where specialty? it's the word that is <laughs> not specialty anyways uh, oh you're funny you're funny it's uh and and like we cannot we cannot leave any discussion about this book without talking about Snape and um, the sacrifice that he makes and his relationship with Lily, Harry's mother. That to me is like that whole thing is devastating when he gives Harry his when he's dying and he tells Harry, Harry catch, you know, finds him and he says, Harry, take it, take it like he's, you know, crying out a memory or something. So Harry takes it and Just he brings the, it. The visual yes. of taking the memory. Yes. Into, yeah. And he brings it to Dumbledore's pensive and he goes in it. And it's just him, all of Snape's memories of, of Lily and falling in love with Lily. And the reason why he has stayed so true to Dumbledore and Hogwarts and Harry. Lily. Yeah. He doesn't like Harry, he never has because he's been so opposed to James. He hates James. And Harry looks just like Harry James. looks just like him. He's his personality is just like him. He's arrogant just like him. But he's also half Lily. He loved Lily. And he was protected by Lily's love. Yes. So like it's all Yes. Yes. It's... And like, I mean, I have a decal on the back of my car that says always because every and every time I hear this line when Dumbledore says Lily after all this time and Snape says always, it it gets me. Like, it is just so I, I, perfect. You have goosebumps right I now, do, don't you? I do. Because I, I do. Just watching your, you, watching you I as just, you're explaining this. I can't. I after, can't. After spending two hours in your closet with you watching you do this right now, <laughs> I, I can feel your goosebumps because. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't, I don't have any. I don't know what more I can say about that whole thing. Like I, I spent the entire series just like everybody else did disliking Snape. That part, just knowing that he has the capacity in him to love and to love that much and that he has never loved anybody as much as he loves this person. And all of his everything is based on that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm going to end with the, Last quote from the last book. Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic, capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it. From Dumbledore. (laughs) And I just... I fucking love words. Yes, they're so amazing. Like you said before, I love books. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. And that, I believe, he probably said that in the scene where Harry dies. It's a memory, yeah. Well, it's... Harry dies, you know, he has to die. He knows that he has to die to kill that last Horcrux. But he doesn't actually... He doesn't actually die. die because he his hero- heroism saves him. Yes, and I wish I wish we had a whole other podcast hour to talk about that scene <laughs> in particular and all of that stuff. But, like, just know that um, we're trying to make this as not, <laughs> not crazy as possible. And I, I don't know about you, Katie, but I could sit here for three more hours and talk about this. So there's a whole, like the spells we haven't actually specifically talked about any of the spells we didn't even mention moaning myrtle like i yeah. fucking love moaning myrtle yeah she's Morning one of myrtle. my favorites she is the when horniest you, character in all let of me tell you when i first went to harry potter land and universal back freaking whenever jess was pregnant with alex so a bajillion years, 12 ago, years ago at this point, yeah, huh? yeah 
No, he's not that old. He's 11, so she would have been pregnant with no, him 12 right. years ago. <laughs> 11 and a half, because we went in September when she was real pregnant. Uh, or almost, well, anyways, I don't remember going in the bathrooms at Universal and having any kind of part that stuck with me. This time when we went and I went in the bathroom and fucking Morning Myrtle is saying something as I'm flushing the toilet. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like Morning Myrtle is in the bathroom. And I got like goosebumps and I was like probably almost crying like every time I'm in the bathroom because yeah. I love her. We didn't talk a single bit about any of the magical beasts and the creatures and like. We could do a whole, yeah. The hippogriff is. Yeah. So fantastic! I think I think the problem is we literally have another. We could talk about everything. Yeah, we could we could sit here and and talk about it for hours and not touch on things. So last night, one of the last things that I wrote in my notes is Harry Potter versus Lord Voldemort. Is that a representative of the internal struggle struggle against darkness that is inside all of us? And I was like, obviously, right before I was going to Were sleep. You high? No. <laughs> There's a potential for that, but also something was like, it's them, it's the two of them against each other, and it really is good versus evil, dark versus light. Yes. But that very could, very, very could be. Very well could be. <laughs> very well could be. Yeah. A great representative of our internal. Absolutely. The things that if you let egomania and you let power take over exactly. your being yes. who you could very easily become we all have that capability inside absolutely of us. yes and how you regulate that really kind of determines if you're a fucking asshole exactly. or like a normal human functioning person exactly yes 1000 percent agree with that situation and like and i think I don't know about you, but I've had this discussion with so many people, like just the fact, you know, we're parents and I, I think every day about the fact that as a parent, how hard it is to, or what you have to do to raise the person you don't want somebody to not be. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really tough because there, there's always that, there's always that sense of um, nature versus nurture. Like how much of it, like how much are they born with? How much are we born with? Versus how much are we grown, like, are we taught and right. learned? You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. I, that it's, it's hilarious turn, that but... you say that because literally last night, so I bought this new package of Oreos, the Thin Mint Oreos. Let me some Thin Mints. But, like, the Thin Oreos, yeah. I'm a huge fan of them because I feel like they're better for me, even though they're fucking Oreos. So they're <laughs> not really good for you in any way, sense or... Anyways... And I bought the new package of Oreos, and when I was putting my groceries away, I put them on the shelf underneath the already open package of Oreos that were like regular Oreos. Adam comes out from his room, and he goes to the pantry, and he slides the opened Oreos away, and he like rips open the new ones and takes one of those. And I look at him, and I go... They were purposely put underneath the other one so we would finish the other ones first. And I'm, I, I was like appalled by the fact that he wouldn't just eat, eat the regular ones. On the top. And I'm yeah. like, 
what am I doing wrong? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was an internal, like, angry, like, what yeah. did I do wrong? Yeah. That you thought that I would slide this one aside. You know, honestly, though, thankfully, he didn't murder somebody. <laughs> he did not. He just opened a new package of Oreos. However, later in the night, he took the last Oreo from the open package and he left the package on the shelf. And I went, come here, oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. Hold this for a second. Yeah. Nine-year-old boys. <sighs> yeah. It's very much uh, one of the... It's very tough. Like, you're you always... You the last one. I didn't realize it was the last one. Yeah. Really? What am I... What I always wonder. I'm what like, did what I do wrong I, that you didn't realize? What am I doing wrong here? <laughs> um, guys, we are going to shut down our Harry Potter conversation now because... Are we going to switch to the epilogue? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Let's let's go. We'll switch to the little epilogue. So... Epilogue. The epilogue. So that was a fantastic conversation about Harry Potter. Like I said, I could probably sit here and talk for hours more. Nobody wants to listen to that. I mean, maybe somebody out there does. There's probably like a very niche like. We should probably just there. sit here and keep talking about I it could. and just turn off the recording. I could. Not gonna lie to you, but um, uh, I do want to obviously uh talk about our socials because that's important to us. We we hope that you are following us on. Um, Twitter and Instagram, and that's at at to be read pod. Uh, do I have to spell it now? You don't. If you I, made it this far, you uh, already made, know yes. where you're at. Yeah, you already know where, yeah, I we, do, you know where you can find us. I do want to say, when we say rate, review, and subscribe, it sounds very daunting, but rate is literally like you just have to click the button of yeah. the stars in whatever yeah. app you're listening to us. Just click that fifth star. And and, yeah, just need. click five. <laughs> and then if you want a review, you really just have to say, I like them, and yes. hit post. Yes. And then to subscribe, you probably already are if you are listening to us. But we hope we want more. We want more. We need more. <laughs> Share the word. Yeah. Yeah. We need more, guys. It's our drug. It is. We really enjoy talking about books and we want to keep doing it. And literally in your closet. In my closet. <laughs> For two fucking hours. Yes. But maybe someday we'll be out of the closet. We'll find. We'll see. We will. We'll see. Um. So our next episode yes. that we recorded several a weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, is The House in the Cerulean Sea. Yes. I do not remember the author at this current point. TJ Klune. There we go. TJ uh, It was our book club book. Uh, we had a great discussion about that at book club and then we tried to bring as much of that into our podcast episode Correct. as we possibly could. Yes. So you should definitely listen to that. There is a fantastic cocktail that goes with yes, that. Is. This is our cocktail teaser. Click, click. Ah. <laughs> it is blue. Like a cerulean sea. It's very pretty. And you should follow us on our socials to find out the recipe for that. Yes, you should. And see the pictures. Exactly. And you will also see the pictures for this flaming order of... Co- uh, order of... <laughs> Goblet <of> fire. <laughs> We've had a little bit too much to drink today, but we enjoyed every it's single warm in sip. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and guys, like that's it for us today. This is uh, thank you for sticking around with us uh, for this episode. We know it's long. It's not even two hours though, Ooh, so we are we're amazed, we're and we good. have some stuff to cut out. So we're yes, we're, we're right around where we wanted to be. We did we did what we we could, and uh, to the girls at the liquor store that gave us the Everclear. I hope that you join us next week when we make your two big red pile one book shorter. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> To Be Read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turrell. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius.
So it should work over here too. What was that? <laughs> <laughs>